You imagine if you weren't here this morning, what you would have missed out on. I thought that as I was, as I was worshipping. I thought, if I wasn't here this morning, I guess that would be quite disastrous in many senses. But if I wasn't here this morning, what would I have missed out on today? You know, for, for, if you're, a, if you're a, a, a hymn singer, you would have missed out on singing one of my favourite hymns of all time. Um, if, if you're a worshipper in any shape or form, you would have missed out on that tangible presence of God in the room. If you just like being with other Christians, you would have missed out on being with each other. That's, to me, it shows how important it is to be together. Um, I don't know what I'm hearing up here, but it's, an, it's, it's annoying. <laughs> and I know Lyndon's working on it. So, but whatever it is... Um, just bear with me while I get annoyed. <laughs> I can't get annoyed because I'm about to preach the word. And Lyndon is doing his best on the first week up there. So I won't, I won't come down too heavy on him. <laughs> but we do need more people to be um, up on the sound desk. So if you've got any experience of a sound desk, that would be brilliant. Um, or we can give training. Um, it would be the blind leading the blind at the moment, but we can give training. <laughs> so, exciting times. Anyway, um, I'm here to preach the words, and I'm going to preach the words. So, I have a, a, a little uh, picture that I'd love to go up on the screen, uh, because this is where I really felt to, to go for this particular week. We've looked at um, how Paul in his life said, forgetting those things that have gone behind, and then he, the next, in his next words, really, he said, now I'm pressing forward to those things that are ahead. And very much Paul had a, a I can do kind of mentality. Um, I can do it. You know, whatever the Lord gives me to do, I'm going to do it with all of my might, all of my strength. Um, I'm going to give my all to the call and the gift in the God. And, and we see in Paul's life so many times he's on a missionary trip somewhere doing something for God. And he wasn't waiting for God to say, right, I want you to go to Macedonia or Troas or wherever it was. He just got up and went. And if a door closed, it's like he bounced off of that one and said, I'm going to keep going this way. Um, and if a door closed there, he just carried on going somewhere else. Why? Because he had a I can do kind of mentality. And if the Lord closes a door or circumstance closes a door, I'm just going to keep on doing what God has called me to do. Um, he didn't get to a, a particular place and said, well, I can't do that. He just said, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going somewhere, sharing the gospel, raising up churches, positioning elders, and moving on to the next thing that God's called me to do. And I think that's really where, in, in this particular scripture, part of forgetting those things that have gone behind, I now press his life was a constant press. He constantly pressed against the rulers and authorities. He constantly pressed against opposition and persecution. He constantly pressed through obstacles, whether it was a night and a day in the deep, um, being thrown into the water or shipwrecked. He just kept pressing for the goal of the call of God in his life. And, and I just really, I guess, want to inspire us in church today, and I trust that the Holy Spirit will take my words and cause them to land in your heart. You know, that these won't be just something that you hear with your head, but actually we say, I can do it, rather than, well, I can't really do that, and I can't really do this, and 
I can't do much else. Hang on, let me just open my thoughts with this. Do we see ourselves in the same way God sees us? That's a great question to ask, isn't it? Do we see ourselves in the same way that God sees us? Because I, I believe God sees us in a very different light in which we see ourselves. Because we see our limitations. We see, we see our failings in the past. We see our issues that we're trying to deal with. I'm not perfect yet. I can't, I can't do that. I'm not, I, I'm, not, I'm not where I ought to be. Well, God knows you better than you know yourself. God knows your journey. So the question I want to ask you today is this. Do we see ourselves the same way that God sees us? I think the even more important question than that is, is, is our personal response to that question. Do we see ourselves as God sees us? What is our response to that? is even more important. If we just see ourselves as we do, then we're really not ever trying to achieve much for God. But if we see ourselves as God sees us, the next thing is, I can do anything because of who God is in my life. There is no obstacle, there's no giant. You, know, you take a David and a, and a, and a Goliath, a, a giant in front of him. David didn't see himself as pipsqueak younger brother the, the uh, Hakatan, as he was labelled by the family as a Hakatan, a worthless one in the field of his father looking after the sheep. He didn't see himself as a worthless one. His family saw himself, saw him as a Hakatan, a worthless one, someone who was not even worth bringing in when Samuel came to anoint the next king. Or we'll, leave, we'll leave David out in the field looking after the sheep. Why? Because he's a worthless one. He won't be worthy of being the king. I, I, how do we see ourselves? See, David didn't see himself that way. He saw himself before God. He was a worshiper before God. He, he had a heart. The Bible was very clear. He had a heart after God's own heart. That it shows where David knew where his heart was. It was a heart after God's own heart. He saw who he was and walked out that in his daily life. And I think it's really important that we have a personal response to how do we see, how do we think God sees us, and how do we respond to that in our life? You know, we can focus on our inabilities, on our weaknesses and our failings. You know, if you've lived any length of time in your life, um, I guess you've got a record of more failings and more issues and things that you've done. Um, and you, you can look back at all those and think, goodness me, I've made a mistake here and I've, I've fallen into the same trap there. And, I, I, and, and we can have this catalogue of things that we messed up with. When you're younger, you may be messing up more frequently than someone who's older and got a few more wisdom years in their life. Um, and yours is like you mess up on a regular basis, but you still haven't got the catalogue of someone who's lived for 80 odd years. Or you can look at your life and say, old things have passed away, but hold all things are now new. And his mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. Oh, we all make mistakes every day of our life, don't we? Yeah. Or we don't... The Bible says, whatsoever isn't of faith is sin. 
So you, know, you may not be falling into gross sin or huge mistakes, but we don't always live by faith every day of our life. Let's qualify that that way. But the call of God on our life is to live for him with a can-do mindset. And I just want to, tr- I want to tweak, I want to speak into your hearts. What can I tweak in my life that's going to cause me to have a more of a can-do mentality than I can't do it mentality? Because we should be a can-do people. I absolutely believe we're a can-do people. I, again, I, can, I, can, I was painfully shy. I was painfully introvert. I would never say boo to a goose. Get me in the wrong circumstances um, or different circumstances than the position of an anointing upon my life. I will be quiet. And I could have lived by that part of who I was. I could have remained on the back row because that's where I would have always positioned myself. In the corner so I could see everyone so that I knew where everybody was in the room so that I could be in control of who I was because I was so insecure. Or when God called me, I could have turned around and said, choose somebody else, Lord, not me. And we're going to look at a couple of people in the Bible who really had that kind of mentality in their life. God Don't call me. Don't use me. Use somebody else. I don't know what church would have been like. I don't know what my life would have been like. I don't know what I would have been doing in life if I hadn't said, here I am. Use me. I I genuinely don't know where my life would have gone. But I'm so thankful that God used me. When it came for a moment in, in the life of Israel... The Jewish people were bound and and held captives as slaves in the place of Egypt. And God spoke to a man called Moses through a burning bush. And he had an encounter with God. Because I believe we all have encounters with God. That may be that moment of salvation or a word that's spoken, or you encounter somebody's life and they share something with you, or there's a prophecy that's spoken over your life. There are, there are moments in our life things happen. They may not be a burning bush moment, but it's a burning bush moment. Well, all of a sudden you realize God is speaking. This is just confirmed what somebody else said a year ago, five years ago, but I believe God is doing it now. And here in this moment, Moses in the backside of the desert, he's run from God, he's run from his call, he's run away, and then God gets his attention. And in this moment, when God gets his attention, he's in awe of what's happening. He takes off his shoes, he's looking at the bush that's not burning, that's on fire, and God speaks to him and says, go and set my people free. Fantastic. I guess in some senses that's the same call that everyone in this room has. Now go into all the world, preach the gospel, and loose the captives. It's the same call, but it was for Moses and and Israel. Ours is for the world around us. And in this moment of God's call, Moses didn't feel qualified. He, He absolutely didn't feel qualified. He didn't have, well, I can do this. Because God's told me to do it. Mentality. You know, he, he wasn't a great military leader or a skilled politician. He didn't have the ability to make it happen. And all of a sudden, 
Moses, he looks around, God's call upon his life, burning bush moment. I'm over here. If I stand here, you'll look at me. He's having this burning bush moment. Something incredible has taken place in his life. The call of God is there, and all of a sudden, he says this scripture, which is Exodus 4.13. He says, Oh Lord, please send someone else to do it. Can you imagine what that must... God, God's looking at him saying, You're the man at the moment. I'm calling you for a divine purpose. You are going to set my people free. And he says, oh, oh, Lord, please send someone else instead of me. It's like a little child. It wasn't me. It was them. It's this moment in his life. It's like, Moses, this is your call. This is your big moment. But his mentality was, I'm only little. I, 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 can't, I can't speak properly. And he used every excuse in his life, the natural, the soulish, the physical. He used everything to say, choose somebody else, not me. But you know what? Down through the years, that same spirit, because it was God's call. He had equipped him to do it. The same spirit that was causing him to think little of himself has carried its way through the church. Where we say, Lord, use somebody else. I, I, I highlighted that we could do with some sound people on the sound desk. Where's Steve? Steve, 80-ish, 81-ish, 80-ish. He's partial. <laughs> I did check this morning, he's 81. Um, partially deaf, but he's got a can-do attitude and says, I'll do the desk. I love that. Now, that should be an inspiration for... A, all you younger people, you know, anyone under 80, 80 years old, that should be an inspiration to all under 80s to say, I can do that. Sh shouldn't that be an inspiration? Is it, it's like Caleb and, and, and uh, Joshua and Caleb. When they were 85, they said, give me this mountain. Steve came to me, was it last week or week before? He said, do you mind if I carry on doing the desk? No. <laughs> please you're the only one that knows what you're doing ish I, I just love the heart do you mind if I carry on doing it I tell you what let's have some others that say you know, we call it Jericho um, I can take Jericho I can take control of this desk I can make it work and I thank God for everyone that says I'm going to roll up my sleeves and I'm going to make it happen. You know, kids' church, roll up our sleeves. I'm going to make it happen. Hosting team, roll up our sleeves. I'm going to make it happen. The fact is, I would love to see everybody in the house serving on at least one or two teams. That way we can rotate everybody and everything that we're doing in church. And nobody then gets tired out, worn out, bored out. This is too much hard work. I'm going to leave out. It just... <laughs> Come on, let's make it happen and join a team. Yeah. I, I love the fact that Phil and Rosemary are on hosting. You know, edging their way to later life. They're on hosting. Edging their way. 
They didn't say, oh Lord, please, if there's someone else, send them. Come on, let's roll up our sleeves, join the team somewhere and be a part of the house. Let's not carry that mentality. Our attitude can have an incredible impact not only on our life, but on the lives of others. When you think, for some, they're in kids' church week after week after week after week after week, but you standing up and saying, I'll join that team, would cause them to be able to have that week off. It impacts you, but it also impacts them. It may impact you in a negative way. I've got to look after the kids. I'll go and look after them. Teach them, thank you. Yes, we teach kids. Yes. Isn't it? My little Sunday school teachers. They impacted my world because I'm here today. If the longer that Moses thought about the call, the longer Moses thought about what God was asking him to do, the more unlikely he was to do it. You know, when God suddenly says to you, okay, you know, you suddenly feel that, that check in your heart, oh, I really ought to join a team. This morning, maybe one of those mornings because I'm talking. But, but it's in these moments, don't talk yourself out of what God wants to do. It's so easy. You know, if you're new to church and you've only been with us a few weeks or a couple of months or whatever, and you say, well, when I get my, my feet under, you know, when I get used to being part, when I, when I connect a bit better, why wait? You know, we're not going to put you on the platform necessarily, but we can get you involved in some area where you can be used and feel like you connect with people in the house of God. The longer Moses thought about it, the less likely he became to do what God called him to do. Exodus chapter 3, verse 11 says this. But Moses said to God, now remember who Moses is speaking to. <laughs> this, this just blows my mind. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He had a I can't do. He had a Gideon mentality. He had a, 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 re, a regressive thinking of who he is. He, did, he didn't look up and say, well, I guess if you're calling me, you know better than I know, therefore I know I can do it. He just looked at the situation and thought, I can't do this. What is God asking you to do? Is it a neighbor that God's asking you to witness to or have around to your house for a meal? I, it's really strange. Um, but I just thought about that one. Because a couple of weeks before Christmas, we invited our neighbor. Never been, I've been in our house a couple of times, but never been around. Certainly never been around for a meal. And we invited them around. They came around for a meal and we just sat and chatted and listened and listened more than chatted um, because they, they, they love to talk. <laughs> so we listened and we chatted now and again. And it was really interesting how the conversation came around what I do and the fact that they would love to be here. They would love to come to church. But because they connect with so many Navy personnel, they would find it a clash of interests being here. But they would be here. 
Now, I think that is absolutely amazing and a real breakthrough that we can speak into their lives. And it's a journey that's taken many years to happen. Um, But I'm just believing that God will continue to work in their heart before we move. (laughs) (laughs) Moses was disbelieving. Let's not have that kind of heart in our life where we doubt what God has said he can do. Because that's the key. I can do all things It's through Christ. It's not I can do all things in my own ability or what I can do, my achievements, what I've managed to... It's allowing Christ to strengthen us in this journey. Believing God can do anything. We all believe that, don't we? God can do absolutely anything. I love the fact, and, and I'd like this to be our, our prayer thought at, uh, throughout the year. I, I was going to say this to Emma later. God can turn all things around for his good. Whether that's a health issue, a family issue, a church issue, God can turn all things around for the good of those who love him and accord according to his purpose. Let's, let, let that be our thought this year in the area of prayer. What was God's response to Moses? God's response to Moses is found in Exodus 3.12. So God said, so he said, I will certainly be with you. And this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. There's two things I want us to see here. Firstly, God says to Moses, I will go with you. Now, that must bring incredible confidence to the life of Moses. But even more so to you and I. Because Jesus said, I will be with you and I will never forsake you. I will be with you until the end of the age. Do we believe it? Or do we just read it and and we know that he said it, but I, I just feel so alone. I feel so isolated. I feel so distant. He said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you and I will be with you until the end of the age. That's God's promise. I believe that promise. There's times when things have been up and down and and really tough and difficult. But one thing I know, God has never left me. He's never forsaken me and he has always been a strength there in my life. Forever. That is an incredible promise, not only to Moses, but to every one of us. Whatever, your, whatever life's calling there is, whatever you're involved in, whatever you're believing for, whatever change you're looking for, whatever health issue that you're dealing with, God's promise is, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And the second thing is, you shall serve me on this mountain. Now, in many senses, God showed him a, shared with him a sign That sign was a promise that when you've done what I've asked you to do, then you will serve me here on this mountain. I wonder what it is that we haven't seen yet because we haven't done what God's asked us to do yet. That's an interesting thought, isn't it? What is it that God has promised that he would do but because he's said he would do it and we haven't done what he's asked us to do, we've not yet seen it happen in our life. 
I don't know. I don't want to miss out on what God's got. Therefore, I want to be obedient at every step and journey of my life. Obedience is better than sacrifice. To say, to be a yes man, well, let's not be a yes man, but let's be yes to God. Yes, Lord. He's looking for yes people. (laughs) Obedience to God is better than sacrifice. It's better than anything else, saying yes to him. See, God already knew the outcome of this situation. For Moses, he's living real time. He's living in the moment of, God, you're calling me to go before the most dangerous man, the Pharaoh, the person who can kill anybody and do anything he likes. You've asked me to go before him and take away all those who are slaves in his kingdom, who are building his cities and his pyramids and his whatever else. You are asking me to remove all his personal slaves. He was living real time. That, to go before Pharaoh, who could just off with his head. String him out. Bury him in in ant's nest. Whatever you want to do with him, just rip him up. He had the power to do it. And yet, Moses went. Because he had a promise from God. You will serve me on this mountain. Moses is... The corridor of faith is that journey, one step in front of another, not quite knowing where you're going next. But God is already there. The promise is, you will serve me on this mountain, Moses, because I know you're going to do what I've called you to do. I know it's going to happen. Moses must have gone before Pharaoh thinking, here we go. Let me try the first thing. Here's the rod of God, my staff. It drops down to the floor and it slithers like a snake. And then all the magicians do the same thing. He must have thought, no, no, that's not how it's meant to be. But then his staff swallows all the others. That must have brought confidence to his heart. God is working. God is moving. God is up to something here. And I love that about this whole picture. When we put our trust one step in front of the other, not knowing quite where we're going... That step of faith. The just shall live, not in safety, (laughs) not not doing anything, not, not stepping out the boat. The just shall live by faith, one step at a time, and allowing God to cause our eyes to be fixed on him. It is a journey for every single one of us. The single most significant decision that we can make on a daily basis is our attitude. You know, many people have said your attitude determines your altitude. You know, if you've got a good attitude, a positive attitude, a good outlook to life, it will take you up and it'll take you higher, it'll take you amongst greater people, greater things, greater situations. But do you know what? Our attitude, when we wake up in the morning, what is our attitude like? What is our attitude towards those that we love most? It's crazy, and that the ones that we love most, we have a tendency to hurt the most. And the ones that we love most, we won't open the door for, but we'll open the door for somebody else in church. Yeah, let's just let's bring attitude into the right perspective. Honor one another, preferring one another, even as Christ preferred us and gave himself for us. Are we a can-do Oh, we are a can, I can do it kind of person. 
I can do it. Phil's, a, Phil's an I can do it person. You know, uh, the amount of pastors in family church that have come to me saying, um, Phil's amazing. I'm thinking, yeah, I know that. Um, but Phil's really amazing. I, I'm, I'm gonna, sorry, I'm going to embarrass you for a minute, Phil. But Phil's now maintenance guy for family church in all congregations, and it, many of the jobs that he does, he's never done. You know, you, you ask a builder to come in and do a job he's never done, you, you choose to go to someone who's done that job before. But Phil has a I can do it mentality. Now, he may look at YouTube and find out how to do it and then goes and does it, but he, he, he's, I can do it. And I love that, Phil. You know, I, I send a song through to Phil, and, and Phil will come back to me and say, we can do it. You, you may need an orchestra, but we, we can still do it. Because he'll change the chords and change whatever it is to make it fit our house. I love that kind of mentality. And a heartbeat, not just for God's house, but for God in the journey of your life, Phil. It's absolutely amazing. I love it. So are we, and I can do, I can do it. I can make that happen. I can fill that space. You know, Pastor Jane, Jane, she's out in kids. Why? Because we have a vacancy in that area, and an area that I believe is one or the most important area of, of church life. That our kids get the word of God, they get spirituality in their life from that age so that when they are this age they are still walking with God it is the most important area of church life and Jane's out there today not knowing what on earth she's doing with all the technology but praise the Lord you may be in a place where you've got a child and kids sign up or you've got a heart for kids sign up or you can't stand kids, but you know how to work technology. Sign up. <laughs> it doesn't matter where it is. Just All I'd say is you love, you love God, you love his house, and there's something of the word of God in your heart that you can share with the two-year-old. Great. Do we believe God and trust him? Do we believe God and trust him? God can use anybody at any time, and in any situation. But Lord, choose them, not me. Or are we the kind of person that says, God, you can use anyone, at any time, in any situation, here I am, use me. There's a huge difference. And you, I guess we're always going to have that pendulum swing in church. There are those who will never get involved, and then there are those who get involved in everything. We want to protect those who get involved in everything so they don't burn out. And we want to encourage those that don't get so involved in everything so that they get involved and feel part. And somewhere in the middle, there are those who are doing one or two things that keep the church going. Let's change the odds and let's all get involved. God isn't calling us because we've impressed him. If you think you've impressed God along the way, uh, I'm sorry you haven't. There's a lot of people in the Bible that were much more impressive than you and me. All right? You've not, God's not called you because you've impressed him. He, he's not impressed with your great abilities or your superior knowledge or your personal charm or achievements. God, God knows us. 
He says this in the book of Psalms. He says this in Psalm 103, 14. For he knows our frame and he remembers that we are but dust. <laughs> Isn't that great? When God looks at you, he says, You're but dust. You, you, you may be impressed with who you are, but you're just dust. But I can use that dust. That's why the Bible very clearly says, ashes to ashes, dust to ashes. The Bible doesn't say that. We say that at funerals. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. From the earth you came to the earth you will return. Dust. He knows we are but dust. Let's get over ourselves. Let's get over how our lacks and our insecurities and our failings and our flaws. Let's get over our pride and over our um, exuberant ambitions. Let's get over ourselves and let's remember we are but dust, but dust in the hand of God. There's a huge difference. Dust in the hand of God, where God can frame and mold and purpose who we are. And just like on, on, on Jeremiah's potter, the potter's will in Jeremiah, the, where he, it's, it's still dust in it, clay from the ground. It's, it's still from the ground. It's dusty. He says, I can make something of your life. I can frame you. I can mold you. I can, I can make you into the potter, the potter's use. I can make you into the vase that I want you to be. And then when you're, the, when you're the vase that the potter has molded in the clay, he then says, I can fill you with my spirit, with that anointing that only he can give. Come on, I want to be a potter. I, I mean, I want to be a lump of clay on the potter's wheel. I, I, I very often feel just like a lump of clay on the potter's wheel. I'm always going back. It's one of my favorite passages in the Bible. I keep getting back on the potter's wheel, and he keeps molding me because I know that I'm flawed in areas of my life where I just need to come back to him and say, Lord, here I am. Here we go again. Mold me as you want me to be and fill me with only what you can give me. And just keep on coming back and coming back to him. Like I said earlier, Moses wasn't the only one. Gideon was another individual. And the story of Gideon shows us that we, he was a man who had such a low estimation of himself. Oh, God called him. He was hiding. When God called him, he was hiding. Lord, I don't want to be involved in this battle. I don't, I don't, I'm just going to hide in the wine press. I pretend I'm just crunching out the grapes while I'm hiding away from the armies. And God calls him and says, Oh, mighty man of valor. There are mighty men of valor in this room. But sin is labeling your life rather than who God calls you to be. And it's belittling the call of God upon your life. God is calling mighty men in this age to stand up, to be counted worthy of the calling of God upon their life. The men of the church are going to transform the journey of the church in the last days. The, the women of the church have carried us for decades. That's why there are more ladies in most churches than there are men. That's why there are usually more women in church leadership than there are men. But I believe in the last days and in our house here, God is raising up men who are spiritual, who have a heart for God, who are whole on the inside and outworking that on the outside. 
There is, a, there is a mighty... David had a bunch of mighty men around him. And I know, I've seen it beginning to happen around me. There are mighty men who are rising, rising up, who are strong in God. They are mighty in battle. They are warriors in the house of God. And something is beginning to stir. And the men's ministry uh, team met last, this last Thursday. And there are some incredible things that are going to be happening. I want to encourage you, if you're a man in the house, make yourself available. I think it's the last Friday, no, the last Thursday in each month. Because we're going to come together, come together. We're going to grow spiritually big and wide. We're going to grow tall and strong. We're going to go deep and we're, gonna just, we're just going to connect with God and each other. Isn't that good? I thought it was going to be a big... Come on! Come on! Yeah, you'll be there, Kevin, if you can be. Yeah! Yeah! Patrick, you'll be there, won't you, if you can? Yeah, well, that's it. I can do it. I can do it. Oh, anyway... Hey, it's exciting. I, I, I could get excited over anything, can I? But God saw something in Gideon that Gideon didn't see in Gideon. God sees in you something you don't see in you. God sees in you what you don't see now. But in this journey, one step at a time, walking closely with God, it begins to become clear. It becomes aware. When God called me to be the pastor of this church, he said, feed my sheep. I said, feed them what? <laughs> I didn't read the Bible. I wasn't interested in church. I didn't have a heart for God. But God chose me. I was shy and introvert. Just the most unlikely individual. There are those, is Mar Margaret, you're in the room, aren't you? Margaret is the only one in the room that knew, that remembers me walking into Queens Road Church in my leather jacket, in, with my leather gloves, with my black sunglasses, with a black eye, and the church thought we were there to wreck it on that particular Sunday. Margaret remembers me. There are people who, who have talked about my testimony and said it never happened. It's a lie. It is true. I lived it. I know my journey. How dare anyone say my journey is not true? And I know what God had to do in me to get me to where I am today. Margaret was in the room when I read my, my 18 pages of A4 paper, 22, uh, 22 minutes long sermon on joy. Probably have got the tape recording still, knowing Margaret. And she, yes, and she's still, she's still in church. That's the amazing thing about it. And Alan and Hazel remember that. And there are a few others that would remember that part of my journey. God, if God can choose me, at that point when I walked into the church, I was still running around with my Magnum Python gun. I was still running around with my ninja outfit in the town of Gospel, 
with nunchucks, ninja stars, handheld crossbow, wanting to blow the kneecaps off of every drug dealer in this town. If God can choose a nutcase like me to stand here before you and say, God, when God calls, answer that call. And I answered that call. And it took 11 years of my life from the moment I was called to the moment I began to pastor. 11 years. What God is speaking into your heart today may not happen tomorrow. It may not happen next month. It may not happen for 10 years. I believe in the house of God, there is the one who will take over my place when I come to retire or put my feet up and have an easier, an easier life in retirement. Does it ever happen? <laughs> Love it, thank you. <laughs> Let me read this to you. Philippians 4.13 I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Come on, let's, let's say it all together. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do I can do. I can do. I've just spent the last 40 minutes trying to get those three words out. I can do it. I want to read it from the Amplified Version. It says this. I have strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. I am ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses inner strength to me. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. I remember a guy called Drummond Tom. Drummond Tom came to our church many years ago. And Drummond Tom, that was one of Drummond Tom's favorite passages of scripture. And as Drummond was sharing, he was speaking on the anointing. And I think it was a 10-week series. I think he was there for one week, but we got the tapes of a 10-week series. And he was talking about the anointing. And it is the anointing of God that changed my life. And as I began to listen to his series of teaching on the anointing, I began to go to meetings, whether it's church, whether it's conventions, whether it was crusades, whatever it was. I then went looking, watching for the anointing, the anointing on the worship team, the anointing on the hosting team, the anointing on the preacher. Just watching as the Holy Spirit would move in a meeting and would touch in a situation or touch a life and how that anointing, that, that anointing broke off the yoke that was on my shoulders. It was that anointing that began to break down the barriers in my life. It was the, it was the love of God that melted my heart, but it was the anointing that set me free. There is an anointing from the Holy One in this place. Every time we come together, there is an anointing from the Holy One that can transform a life and change a destiny. In our kids' church, when they go out, please don't ever expect them just to be looked after. 
I believe there is an anointing on our kids' church workers to impart spiritual truths into those young lives so that, like me, who went on a round, round journey, eventually, because of the seeds that were put in when I was a kid, rose up one day where I connected with God, and it all became real. Let's never belittle the days of small beginnings with our kids. And let's value that ministry and value what our kids' church workers put into their lives. But the call of God is upon every one of us. From the youngest in the room to the eldest in the room, the call of God is still on us. I have the strength for all things in Christ. That eliminates age. It really does. I'm looking around at some of you slightly older ones. I have strength for all things in Christ. It eliminates those who are sick. Because the Bible's pro Bible promises, I can do all things through Christ. Now, that doesn't mean that you're, you, are, you are, I don't know, we don't have a football team. You're running around on the football team, the church football team. If, there, if we have one... Don't join it if you're over 70, all right? In my case, I gave up at 50, 50, 56, I think it was, 57. I stopped playing football at 57. I couldn't really play football. I'd get hold of the ball, and everyone else would stop and let me run with it. It got humiliating. You genuinely did, didn't you? I'm sure you did. Where's Lyndon? Did you... I always felt like everything went into slow motion. I thought, I thought it was because I was doing so well, and then I suddenly realized they let me run around with the ball. You may not be able to run around with the ball, but you can pray like you've got more time than you've ever had time to pray, to release the anointing, to set the captives free, to bring down the walls of the, that just hold people's lives. And that, that prayer ministry and that heart for God to pray, to be an example in the house of God. If you're, if you're over 70, let's be examples to a generation that's younger. Every generation needs to be an example to the next generation. Come on. I, we, let's, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us and empowers, infuses strength to us. Let me finish with this. Because Paul had a willingness to attempt great things for God, he also had access to the strength Christ is willing to give when we do his will. Amazing. I just, I just love what we're doing. I love the house that we have. I love God's... I love his house. I love God's church. I love God's people in his house. I... It, I just want to open the next door. If you know what I mean, I just want to open. We, it feels like we keep on going through doors and we experience something even more beautiful. And it's like, this is something more powerful. There's something more lovely. There's something. I just want to keep on opening those doors. Because there's going to come a door we open and it's breakthrough door. And sin is going to fall off. And, 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 and inhibitions are going to fall off. And everything that, and I just want to keep opening these doors and then a doorway into freedom, a doorway into truth, a doorway into uncontrollable joy. And a, I don't know, there's just, it's, there's doors. Jesus said, I am the door. The more we press into him, the more doors we'll see open.
Oh, yeah, he's the ultimate door of salvation. I understand that. But I believe there are doorways. He's given us the keys of the kingdom. Every door, most doors, has a key. And we just need to keep on locking. We're going to find a key because I believe it's given to us. We're going to find a key one day that's going to unlock signs, wonders, and miracles. Because in these last days, his spirit is going to be poured out without measure. I, I want to be in the church when that happens, don't you? Without measure. You look at Ezekiel and, and uh, Isaiah and, and Jeremiah, and you, you look at the, 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 the things that they did. You ain't seen nothing yet. The works that Jesus did. I could, I could preach forever. The works that Jesus did. He said, the works that I do, you will do, and you'll do greater than these. I want to find that key that opens that door that enables us, not just one individual, but all of us to walk through that door. So that at the hands of the apostles and the disciples, the wonders and the miracles of God were performed. That the shadows fell on people and people were healed and, and the anointing broke off and the handkerchiefs. You know, let's bring out the handkerchiefs again. That the anointing of God moves in power in the house of God. I, I'm a, I'm, we are a Bible-believing church. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you need to know, we believe that when Jesus died, he died for our sin, your sin, and the sin of the whole world. He died so that we could live. He gave us his life, and he died in exchange that we could now live again. That we could have a true, honest, real relationship with God the Father. It could only happen when Jesus died on the cross. Then he rose from the dead to empower us, but also to give us his word and to make sure that everything in his word is backed up. Salvation is true. Once we were dead in our sins, but when you receive Jesus Christ, you are made alive again and you are resurrected from the dead. You may be here and you've never had a walk with God or today you are coming back to God and you're saying, I want to make peace with God. It's the most life-changing moment that any single person can have in their life. It changed me forever. And that same promise is for you. If you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart, you will be saved. What an incredible gift that is. We're going to pray a very simple prayer. I'm going to ask you to pray it after me, along with me. And afterwards, I'm going to ask you for a response. If you truly prayed that prayer with sincerity and honesty in your heart, and you want to make Jesus Lord and Savior of life, I'm going to ask you to pop up your hand, and one of our team will get a Bible to you and some information to go with it. So let's just pray together. Father God, I thank you for all that Jesus has done. God so loved the world. That included me, that he gave his son, that if I would believe in him, I would not, be, I would not die, but I would have eternal life. Jesus, today, I thank you for dying for me. I choose you in Jesus' name.
Amen. Amen. While every head is bowed, every eye closed. The anointing in this place is to save, to heal, and to deliver, and set free. But it all starts with one decision and one prayer. If you prayed that prayer this morning, and you honestly and genuinely want to know him more, I'm going to ask, I'm going to count to three, and I'm going to ask you to pop up your hand. One, two, three. If that's you, thank you. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. Three lives saying yes, just doing a work of God in their life this morning. Is there anybody else? I don't want to miss you. I don't want to miss what, you, what God's doing in your life. If there's anybody else, I'm going to count down from five. Five, four, three, two, one. Father, I thank you. Right across this room, you've been speaking to our heart. But Father, I thank you for the salvation message and the truths of your word upon our life. And Father, for those that have responded this morning, Lord God, I pray that they would know your incredible love, that they would encounter the living God, And Lord, that you would do an amazing work in their life. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Very briefly. Certainly. Be much easier. It would have been much easier to do that first. <laughs> uh, right, let me work this out. Uh, prayer. We're going to do a prayer and worship evening on Sunday, the fourth of February, here at six thirty. Marriage for beginners. So, if you're in a journey, um, you've been in a long-term relationship, you're engaged to be married, or you've been married for two years. We want to encourage you to get on the Marriage for Beginners course. Jane and I run it. We're doing it online this year, so you won't have to come out in the evening. Uh, But we'd really encourage you, if you've not done a marriage prep course, uh, we'd encourage you to get on it and be a part of that part of the journey. (laughs) Let me bring it over here. Anyway, um, in February, we're going to have a food and feast Sunday. Food and feast. I love it. That is going to be on, uh, sorry, Marriage for Beginners starts on February the 14th, which is Valentine's Day. Uh, We chose a very romantic night to do it. I know some will like it, some won't, but there we go. It's on that day. Uh, Food and Feast is on Sunday the 18th, and it's going to be after the service. So come with your food prepared, because we're going to eat straight after. It's going to be a lot of fun, and um, it's any food that you want to bring. That's great. Um, Soul Winner Boot Camp is an area of ministry that Pastor Andy runs. He's starting it again in person and online on the 21st of February in all congregations. Um, If you'd like to join in person, you can go over to Portsmouth because we've got worship band and all sorts of things here on a Wednesday. If you are in a connect group, um, I'm hoping some of our connect groups will also run it in their connect groups and maybe you could join that connect group during that time. Uh, but we want as many people to go through Soul Winner Boot Camp as we possibly can. That would be wonderful. Summer Camp 24, um, is registration is available, uh, and the Women's Getaway registrations are available as well. Um, if you are here for the very first time, welcome. <laughs> Should have done that at the beginning, but we're doing it now. Um, there's some information we'd love you to fill out 
pop it into, um, pop it into, give it to someone who's wearing a family church t-shirt, please. That would be great. Um, and tithes and offerings, thank you so much for continuing to give into the house of God. Remember, you don't give to me, you don't give to family church. We return our giving and our tithe to the Lord. Um, and I think that's a really important thing to always remember. You're not giving to Jeff and you're not giving to the church, you're giving to God. Um, and that enables us to honor him with the first fruit of our increase. So uh, let me just pray over that and um, then we can have teas, coffees, chill and relax. Father, we just want to thank you for all that you have given us. Lord, we don't, uh, don't take our, uh, the, the, financial, the, the fi- uh, financial wage or um, finances that are in our life. Uh, we don't take that uh, for granted, Lord. We thank you that you've blessed us in this nation. You've blessed us with jobs and finance. Lord, I pray that we would honor you with, the, with all that we have, all our substance and our finances, that we would honor you and give to you above and beyond anything else. Because, Lord, we know as we give to you, you return that to our lives, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Lord, we give you praise and thanks. In Jesus' name, amen.